You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Weekly Market Talk update. Today is Tuesday, 27th of April. My name is Cormac Canan from AIB Treasury and I'm joined today by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments. Ollie, we saw a significant rise in longer-term U.S. interest rates in quarter one, but more recently rates have fallen markedly. What has driven this decline? Well, people are scratching their heads about that because we've had very, very strong U.S. data, and normally data will fuel expectations that we get eventually see the Fed hike rates. So what drove the rates higher in the first quarter was expectations that the Mark brought forward expectations of when the Fed would start to increase rates and also the pace of those rate increases. So at the start of the year, they thought the Fed would increase rates for three or four years and it might be five or six years before they got to 1%. Now that's no longer the case. The markets are expecting the Fed to raise rates by the end of next year and for rates to climb up towards 2%. The data have been strong over the US in the last uh, number of weeks. But as you say, the Bond yields have fallen. It may be that the rose is such a high level, uh, like 10-year yields got to 1.75%. That's far above elsewhere. That There's talk that that starts to attract inflows from overseas buyers, long-term investors, into the U.S. Treasury market. And also, you know, the curve is quite steep in the U.S., quite a big gap between the long-term and short-term interest rates. So um, that gap has narrowed as a result of the decline. It's, it's only long-term interest rates that have fallen. But you are right. It's, it's, um, it's a bit unusual to see that decline in interest rates but remember now, it's only given back part of the increase we saw in quarter one. I mean, to put it in terms for you, US 10-year yields went from 1% at the start of the year all the way up to 1.75, and they've fallen back towards 1.55%. So it's still a good yield higher higher than uh, where they were at the start of the year. It may be that the Fed, I mean, the, the Fed has been trying to convince the markets that it won't be in any in hurry to increase interest rates, and that I doesn't agree with this market expectation that rates will rise uh, start to rise by the end of next year. In terms of the Fed forecast, the medium forecast is that for the Fed is that rates won't start to rise until 2024. And it may be that the longer term investors, the bond investors in particular, begin to listen to that and say, well, if that's the case, these long term interest rates look attractive. So, um, you know, that has been an ultimate feature of markets in the last two or three weeks has been that decline in US interest rates. Now, Eurozone interest rates have largely remained the same, it's just really been concentrated in the US. And to some extent, that fall off in U.S. interest rates has also coincided with some weakening of the dollar because obviously lower, the lowering of U.S. rates makes them no longer as attractive as they were three or four weeks ago or, or uh, let's say last March. Thanks, Holly. Um, the U.S. Federal Reserve is meeting this week. Uh, what should we expect? Yeah, we had the speed meet last week and the Fed's meeting this week. And really, I think all the major central banks have now their policy in place in terms of counteracting the downturn activities that occurred last year, but also laying the basis for uh, a rebound in activity as the vaccines are rolled out and economies open up. So the Fed has pitched rates at close to zero. They're not going any lower. And it also has an open-ended, large-scale, quantitative easing bond purchase program. And it's going to continue with that. And we see the same uh, with the ECB last week. There was really no change in the message from the ECB. It announced an increase in the pace of purchases at the previous meeting. Again, rates in the Eurozone are pitched at minus a half percent. They're not going any lower. And basically what the ECB and the Fed are saying is our, our, we will continue with these low interest rates for a long period of time and maintain our bond purchase programs to support economies, keep interest rates down, allow governments to borrow money to help fuel the recovery in economic activity and provide support to the economy, etc. So there was no great reaction to the ECB meeting last week. And 
I don't expect any great reaction to the Fed meeting this week. The questions are going to start getting answered is, you know, as activity pick, picks up, when are you going to start scaling back in terms of your asset purchases? When are you going to start tightening policy a bit? But I think they've been deflecting that question away and saying, as far as we're concerned, we need to sustain the current policy parameters for a prolonged period of time to allow the recovery to take root and generate a sustained and strong recovery in economic activity. So I think that's the message we'll hear from Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve this week after their meeting. Lovely. Thanks, Ollie. Uh, the first readings of US and European GDP are due on Wednesday and Friday, respectively. Uh, what are the forecasts predicting? Much the same as in the final quarter last year. The US hasn't been in lockdown. And I say the role of the vaccines is proceeding quite rapidly there. The role of the vaccines in the, in the Eurozone has been much slower, certainly in quarter one. So in the final quarter last year, we saw a, a modest contraction in Eurozone GDP and a rise in US GDP. And we're expecting to see the same thing this week. You know, the US economy could grow but an annualized rate of around maybe one and a half percent, or so an annualized rate of around six percent. That's about one and a half percent growth in actual terms. And we could see the Eurozone economy may contract by about one percent. And that you know that really reflects what's going on in terms of the uh extent of lockdowns and restrictions on activities that are in place in both places. The US economy is opening up. The vaccine rollout is well advanced, whereas in Europe, as here, you know, the, the, they underwent a further wave or saw a further wave to the pandemic in the opening months of the year. Restrictions were put in place, lockdowns in some economies. Uh, that extended indeed into April. So that's obviously holding back the pace of growth in the Eurozone economy. And so it won't be until this quarter we see some growth, and really it's going to be the third quarter onwards before we see strong growth resume in the Eurozone economy as hopefully all the restrictions are lifted, whereas the US is already off to the races. Um, and we've, we've seen a run, as I mentioned earlier on, of very strong economic data for March out of the US. Uh, and that'll be reflected in the GDP figures we see this week. Great. Uh, final question, Ollie. We've we've seen some euro uh, gains against both the dollar and the pound over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what's caused this uh, rise in the euro? Well, again, let's back up for the first quarter. The euro is under pressure uh, and long-term rates in particular rolls in the US and in the UK. And also their vaccine rollouts were much further advanced. So the expectations are in the markets that the US and the UK will begin to tighten monetary policy far earlier than the the Eurozone. So that drove expectations uh, in the first quarter of the year uh, in terms of rate expectations, behavior, bond markets, etc. And it did see um, both sterling and the dollar recover ground against um, the euro. Now, market position is important here. We came into the year where the markets were short the dollar. Uh, and as activity picked up, you know, traders bought back those short dollar positions, pushed the currency higher. Uh, over the last two of this month, uh, we've seen some reversal of, of, of those flows. So what we're seeing actually is the euro fell from 123 at the start of the year down to 117 at the end of March. And it's back up above 120 in recent days. And if you look at sterling, you know, the euro fell from, you know, it was at 90p at the start of the year, all the way down to 85, and now it's recovered back up to 87. The market position is no longer um, short the dollar, and it's certainly gone long the uh, long sterling. So what we're seeing is the, the traders are no longer buying back those two currencies. So we're seeing more range trading, and I think that's what we're going to see. Where, where we stand at the present time now is the market is actually long sterling, quite long sterling. So I think its upside is limited. As we said in the podcast, maybe two or three weeks ago, we, we thought we'd be into a period of range trading for the currencies, where sterling might move between, that's 85 and 86 and 90p. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. And given the markets uh, at 
is long sterling it's currently around 87p we might see weaken a bit further i certainly can't see it, it may make moves higher but as we saw a week ago you know sterling the euro back down towards 86p the move wasn't sustained it came back up pretty smartly towards uh, 87 so i think from these certain levels given that market position is long sterling it might weaken a touch but i think we're very much into range trading and regard to the dollar euro i think 117 to 123 is going to hold all the action uh, there is a bit of momentum behind the euro at the present time. It's gone through 120, gone up towards 121. We could see further position building uh, in favour of the euro, but I don't think that'll last too long. I mean, uh, just look at the position in the last week now, it's gone short dollar again. So, uh, you know, we could see dollar being bought back within a number of weeks and coming back down towards 120 or 118 or 119. So I think we are into range trading. Um, the markets are no longer in those extreme positions we saw earlier on the year. And also the fact that the the... the rollout of vaccines is really picking up pace in the eurozone as here in ireland and will continue to do so over quarter two and lay the basis for a strong recovery in the second half of the year uh, that will help the euro so it was under pressure in quarter one the euro it has recovered ground in april and i think we can look forward or likely to see range trading over the balance of the year certainly through the summer when you think of two things i referenced earlier on there the central banks are off the pitch here now they've, they've, they've made their moves their policies in place they're not going to be changing policy this year and okay the us and the uk were racing ahead in terms of the pickup in economic activity they'll be soon joined by the eurozone so that would all argue for i know there's been a bit of volatility in the fx markets for the first four months of the year but we're probably likely going to see some range trading now as they settle down uh, and i said they're the range we're looking at 117 to 123 for the dollar against the euro and 85, 86 up towards 90 in terms of sterling euro. Ollie, thank you for your insights and thanks to our customers for listening. To stay up to date on financial markets, please press the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by COVID-19, you can find details of AIB's support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.